You're listening to 66.6 FM Radio TOVH The Flush Well hey there everybody, it's me, Joe Thrashenkill You're listening to another thrilling episode of The Toilet of Hell Radio Show I uh, got a full house today, joined first up the 365 Days of Horror, as we like to call him, Jordan. Jordan, how you doing? I am good. How are you? Good, because we also got Breno with us. Breno, how are you? Not so good. Not doing great right now, actually. Why not? Because it's fucking 7 million degrees every day. Without fail. Um, there hasn't been... I, I, I was told, I was, I was uniquely expressly told that there would be a break in the heat wave this weekend, and it so didn't fucking happen. So this is, uh, so far, the hottest summer on record in Texas. And you guys know that Texas kind of gets hot, right? So Yeah, I've uh, heard. A lot of people have seasonal depression, like in the winter or whatever, but I've got seasonal, like, end-of-the-world depression right now in the summer. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's way worse. Because I can't, I can't go out. I can't do anything in this fucking heat. I can't. I really, like, there's not a single comfortable room in my house, air conditioning or not. I can't make anything happen i can't go out and walk around it's it's punishing it's fucking horrible so um people who like summer like summer babies hot girl summer hot boy summer whatever you feel man fuck you just go fuck yourself i, I hate you so much yeah i agree with that wholeheartedly people are yeah, it's like, all about it's all about husky boy fall yeah yeah i agree with that no, right. people that are like summer i love being outside and just stinking i just fucking stink all day and all night <laughs> I just want to run with my shirt off, like glistening pecs in the fucking sun for everyone to witness. That's that guy. Yeah, uh, that guy can go to hell. Bouncing uh, boy titties down the street. That's him. So uh, last week on the show, uh, we did uh, we covered No Cover, uh, the the show from Sumerian Records and Hit Parader, inexplicably. Uh, it's on YouTube. It just wrapped up the first season, and it, I believe this is a pretty big hit. They're, I th- think they're going to do a second season. What do you guys think? They threatened to do a second season. Um, <laughs> submissions are open for bands if they want to try this. I mean, it's a big hit in the sense of like how a battle of the bands is a big hit because yeah, we convinced people to come on out and pay tickets for this and to watch this thing that didn't really cost us all that much money to put on. Yeah. Um, I don't know uh, what is considered successful on YouTube, but uh, considering like half a million people watch every one of these episodes and that it's all kind of a marketing effort for Sumerian Records, uh, probably not a bad deal for everybody involved. Uh, Well, we'll get into that later (laughs) for most of the people involved. Um, We we watched the first, uh, what was it, six episodes last time? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So for this one, we're going to go ahead and close this out, the final five episodes. Uh, These episodes were much longer and therefore less fun for me, Joe. Uh, But what about you guys? What did you think? Um, I I went with the same exact sort of strategy I did last time. You know, I because I I had to get the meat of the episodes. I had to get the conversations. I had to get the, the judge deliberations, things like that. Um, but a lot of the music was easily skippable for me. Like I would, I would listen to 20 seconds of any given song and, you know, kind of skip through and get the gist. Cause a lot of this music wasn't that excellent. Uh, we, we discussed this in the last episode, but 
you know. Um, yeah, I think, I, I think it was worse. I, I think it was worse for this this time around. I think uh, yeah. getting to focus on these bands, you know, hearing multiple songs from them, uh, really uh, highlighted that I, I don't I don't care for most of these at all. <laughs> yeah, like they, you got to come out swinging, right? You got to give it your best on the first go, so that they don't just automatically get taken off the show right away. But they really didn't have much to them after you know like you said it, the longer they were on the stage the more i realized that none of these guys are really worth it yeah what is it familiarity breeds contempt i got i got a fair that's, amount of contempt here yeah that's why i hate metal so fucking much oh yeah oh yeah brother uh jordan what do you think these were the monkey paw episodes because in the first six we were like, well, you know, we want to hear more. There's some bands that only get like 10 seconds and we don't really get enough time to like understand who these bands are, get some like biographical information to kind of maybe make us root for some bands and maybe cheer against other ones. And these episodes said, oh, yeah, here's all of the content you can handle yeah. because it's in most cases over an hour long of just here's three songs from every band and here's the band wandering around a clothing shop or guitar center and you know bearing their souls and it's just like eh, is this almost over oh yeah. no we have to listen to more okay here we go yeah essentially these episodes were double the length of the previous six sometimes even longer <laughs> yeah yeah um disastrously so so should, should we just get into it let's start talking about what we saw what we dealt with and let people know yeah what happened here okay look before we do this i'm going to go ahead and say this uh, if you haven't heard uh last week's episode where we kind of introduce all this go listen to that first uh but you all have because we have the same 600 listeners on every episode so you know if you really want to help us out go subscribe to the fucking patreon where we hear us talk about something else okay you guys but, are but. the best People can listen to it somewhere else now. Oh, instead fuck. of just the website. Oh, uh, shit. Yeah, I, I, like five years after people uh, started telling me to do this, I finally did it. Uh, this show is on Spotify now. Uh, don't don't report us for having you know uh, unauthorized third party content, which we definitely do. Yep. Um, I'd like to stay on there for now. So yeah, if you're like, oh, I don't want to use the Apple podcast app or Stitcher or whatever the shit is out there, pod thumbs. Sure. That's one. I think, uh, you can listen to us on, uh, on the enemy of all music, Spotify. Suck my ass, Joe Rogan. We're coming for you, baby. Oh yeah. We're going to um, get all those, all those toxic masculine alpha listeners for just us. I honestly, like our, our, our listenership has been trending upwards, which is weird. I don't get that at all. Um, so I was like, okay, well maybe I'll put it on the platform that everybody uses and see if it goes up. Uh, so I will not be surprised at all if this is the stunt that makes us crash to the ground. <laughs> yeah. It's a bouncy little line graph for sure. But, uh, uh, yeah, let, let people know they can find us on Spotify now. And, uh, now I, I would say that's just about everywhere except SoundCloud, which, SoundCloud is terrible. We're not going on SoundCloud, but we got we got on Apple. Oh man, we I need to Spotify. I need to cancel our SoundCloud uh, like membership thing too. Thanks for the reminder. Oh, are you being charged for that? Yeah, dude, I have hosting space man. on SoundCloud every month for some. Sh I think I was doing premieres for some bands that were like, we don't want to use Bandcamp. Whatever, I need to just cancel that shit. 
Um, okay, okay. Uh, and also, yeah, like I said, uh, give us money on the, uh, the that their Patreon, okay? Uh, onward with, with the show. Uh, Jordan, lead us into this. This is episode seven, a wild card round, which did they tell us there was going to be wild card rounds in I the think, previous six episodes? I think yeah, that was the thing of like the, 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 the losers council where it was like, yeah. why do you the deserve the council? Yeah. Not the losers council. Same <laughs> shit. Whatever. Uh, where fucking useless council. Yeah. Where you've got, uh, Ash, the Sumerian record CEO, like, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think you have what it takes. <laughs> Uh, See, I just thought they were going to take one of those, whoever they mercy counseled, and then just put them back in the competition. I didn't know this was like a competition within the competition to keep the competition going. So, And, and another yeah. thing that happens during these episodes is in those previous mercy council ones, they're like, well, what if you work together and do something? Yeah. And they do that in this episode, and there's no point. No. I, I loved I loved that where the the people that are like you know industry insiders are like we're gonna give you another shot at this contest but to do that you have to team up with this other loser and we're gonna hear what you do and uh, what happened is sometimes they did that and some they just kept performing with their original lineup and that was fine I guess <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll get into that more because there was a pretty uh pretty high intensity outright refusal to do that with one <laughs> uh, case so we'll definitely get into that but um i mean this is a pretty common trope in reality television with these sort of um uh like long-term competition season shows right where some somebody loses the, the previous round and then they have to do something uniquely challenging in order to uh you know stake their claim as, yeah. as continuing on to the competition, you, you so, got you got to eat the plate of uh, hissing cockroaches if you want to continue. Exactly. On. Yeah. And now that you lost, now in order to possibly win, you got to do something worse. Yeah, we're gonna tase your balls. Think, <laughs> exactly. I can't think of a a, a a fate worse than death for some of these guys than to collaborate with also hacks. So <laughs> <laughs> it's just how it was. Um, so this got really interesting really fast. Um, so last last week when we did this, uh, we saw that um, the last uh, knife fighter, the uh, the poser, uh, outlaw country musician guy, and Jenny March, the um, off-brand um, like pop star lady, they were uh, you know judged by the Mercy Council that they would have to work together. And I think I said I'm actually kind of interested to see what comes out of that, and that was stupid because, of course, nothing interesting would come out of that. Like, what am I stupid? <laughs> it's okay, I forgive you. I was interested to see how that would go too, but it it was it was pretty bad. Um, it sounded like um, like as soon as it started, I was like, this is kind of like I don't think they're meaning to do it. But it is a ripoff of Kid Rock and Sheryl Crow's picture. <laughs> uh, Absolutely, you, you remember that one, guys? Absolutely, it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so again, uh, but you got that, but not quite the sheer talent or charisma over a, of a Sheryl Crow or a, a Kid Rock, for that matter. Kind of a shame. Kind of a shame. Doesn't quite reach that extremely high bar. No. <laughs> I said this sounded like any bar in nashville duet like any bar you walk into this is probably happening and it's like yeah it's all right i'm I, gonna get, th- i'm gonna get my wild turkey neat and then leave i think the quality of musicianship in nashville is much higher than this jordan like 
the couple of times I've been, like, even the guys, like, at the shitty bar on the corner are probably, like, you know, world-class musicians. I mean, I, I lived a year in Nashville, and it's it's a lot of people that think they're world-class musicians. I'll give you that. So I, I would say Jordan's actually pretty much right on the money in terms of what your typical Nashville bar would be like. Some people that are overly invested in themselves in terms uh, of their musical promises. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You hate to see that. I'm, you know, I, I'm more of a, I'm more of a guitar guy. You know that, of course. So when I'm watching a band, I'm mostly looking out for that. Uh, but then there's everybody else that goes involved in making music, which I can't abide by personally. Whatever they're called, yeah. Yeah. So they do a song called "Losing Pains," where prior to performing the song they have some scenes where they're writing and talking about some of the things they have gone through in life like jenny talked about losing her little brother when they were younger to like infant death syndrome which is i love that she's talking about you know this tragic story of sudden infant death syndrome while she is whale tailing something i haven't seen in a good 20 years (laughs) it's back the exposed thong is back now. Thank God. <laughs> Thank women, God. Women are not happy about it. <laughs> That's no. on your own sisters, dude. Take it up with them. <laughs> yeah, it's not my fault. Yeah. There was one line that Jenny did say while they were doing this that made me chuckle. A minor is the most gripping chord. <laughs> She's not yeah. wrong. Wasn't it the last night fighter that, that said that? And she was like, yeah, 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 totally, Maybe. yeah. Maybe he said it, but uh, yeah, they they did a song together, and it existed. And yeah. we we learned later on that it didn't matter because they performed their own songs eventually separately. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it's just like, why put them together? Why say like you know on your own you can't do it, but together you may be able to do something, and then just like not force them to keep doing it. it just it seemed weird. Like why make do you want to work together a thing and then just to throw it away? I have a lot of comments and, I, and I'll save more towards the end after we get through some of these things in the episodes. But I have a lot of comments about the editing and the overall organization of the show and how things went because it was kind of a mess. But mm-hmm. that goes into it, right? It's like, what is really the challenge here? What is the competition here? What's to be gained or failed here? Who's winning? Who's losing? And why? It was kind of confusing after after these episodes. The first six were a little more clear, but these episodes really got muddied. Yeah. The- Next up, we have Tony K is back. He does a song, Love is Everything. After we get him wandering around, uh, what, Guitar Center? Trying to... Do yeah, something. He was yeah. he, then he was like hanging out on the like the Hollywood Walk of Fame or whatever, and uh, busking for an audience of no one. Tony mm. K, uh, we we kind of covered this on the last one. Has no business being on the show. You know, a, a youth focus like label again. For some reason, all throughout this, Gavin Rossdale has the biggest heart on for this old man. <laughs> Like throughout the rest of the series, he'll bring him up multiple times and just be like, "It's something special. It's something different for the kids." And she's like, "No." What, what no, does Tony K have on Gavin Rossdale? <laughs> like, does he have incriminating photos or something? Maybe he wants to work together with him. I mean, I'm sure yeah. he can. It's not like Tony K's fucking schedule is full, and you're also Gavin Rossdale. You can probably pull something off there. It's, it seems like you guys have enough time on your hands, evident by what's going on in front of us. I, I Next just, up, we have. Go ahead. 
I just again the Tony K thing makes no sense to me. Just I I do not I see a void of charisma. Whereas again, Gavin sees something else clearly. <laughs> I think Tony checks off a couple of boxes for what they wanted for the show. You have an older person. You have just an acoustic Bob Dylan type thing. You have uh, non-American. So it's a couple of different things that say, hey, look, it's not just teenage kids playing crappy punk rock. So no, instead we also have an old guy playing crappy folk. <laughs> yeah. I'm 100% on the camp that his star powers would got him here, but, yeah. but continue, yeah. Next up we have what could be considered the most drama of the entire show and was oddly very entertaining. You have Ader Pasternak, who was the uh, violin plucky lady who was supposed to work with it's just one guy playing acoustic guitar, Loveless. Loveless, who got notes like when he was judged on the initial show, every single one of the hosts, including Tobin, who hates Tosin, who hates everybody, is like, your voice is incredible. But they don't do that with their collaboration. She makes him play guitar and just we talk about facial expressions on this episode. If you were watching this along with us, watch his face as she's trying to tell him what chords to use. <laughs> and he just like he slowly starts to lose his mind where he's like just laughing at trying to do this because he admits he's like, I'm not really a guitarist. And she's like, G, G minor, A, A minor, A plus, like all that stuff. And he's just like, I can't do this. And it doesn't work out. So and he's just like, bye. Unlike with everyone else, this guy, let's give him some fucking props here. He fucking walks off the show. He doesn't stick around. He realized that his challenge from, like, the Mercy Council or whatever isn't going to work out. So he's like, peace. Yeah. And, and Tosin did tell him in the episode that he doesn't really need the competition. That's true. So not wrong. I don't think anybody, anybody here needs this competition. I don't think that this I don't think that this uh this whole thing is going to do for these bands what they think or thought it was going to do for them. So Again, we'll get into um, that a little bit later. <laughs> we'll get into that. Yeah, I'm sorry. So she just performs her own song called Stick Around in which Gavin said word for word to twee for me, which is what we said on the previous episode. <laughs> uh, like while she's performing, I'm furiously texting the group chat like, fuck, I hate this. <laughs> yeah. I would say probably if I had to pick a least favorite performer of the whole thing, I would give it to Violin Plucky Lady. Yeah, she does in the last five seconds of the song finally pull out like the bow and actually play it like a violin rather than a goddamn twee ass ukulele. And and they they tell her like play yeah, I, violin, you're very good at it. Alice Cooper had the same feedback. It's like what are you what are you doing? You should probably play violin. People like to hear the violin. <laughs> True. And she like he said she's good at it. Just do that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so that's pretty much the episode. It's somehow stretched out a lot longer than the whatever 10 minutes we've talked about it. And the last night fighter and Jenny March win. They yeah. move on to another round. Hmm. Wait, did, Which, the, yeah, did I guess the last night fighter three, move on or was it just Jenny Marsh? Yeah, they moved on. Oh, OK, OK. Uh, episode eight is wild card round two. Oh yeah. Where again with like what Brenda was saying with the editing, for whatever reason, the judges like rewatch the submission videos that these bands initially put in. And it's not clear like why they're doing that. Yeah. Like what was the purpose of that? They, 
to paint the picture for people listening, they're all in like this nice kind of hotel suite uh, on these nice sofas watching the submission videos like it's the first time they've ever seen them. But it's eight episodes into the show. <laughs> if, if I had to guess, it might be because, as we mentioned uh, in the other episode, there were four people or four bands that just don't get mentioned on these episodes that were initially up on the website and said they're part of the competition. So maybe the bracketing was off and they needed to bring someone back. Yeah, that's possibly. Possible. Yeah, but, but they didn't say that. So we have to assume and guess. Um, so they rewatch a couple seconds of some of these bands they kicked off, and they decide that <sighs> Night Spins get to come back. God damn it. Fuck. Yep. All right. You guys can go back and listen to the first episode if you really want to hear our opinions on Night Spins, Night Sweats, whatever the shit. Uh, theater, theater kid shit. People that are way too old to be doing this. Real 2006 pitchfork vibes. Not not good. I hate it. Very bad. They do a song called Pass the Salt. And my notes for this were, I still want to fight everyone in this band. Let me... I'm putting something in our chat right now. I, I finally figured out what the Night Spins vocalist uh, reminds me of. I'm putting it in the uh, the Skype chat right now. <laughs> the... The oh my god reaction face from that guy that does the giant duck mouth. The guy with the giant head. mouth, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely that same haircut. Uh, exactly. 2000. Oh, it says 2016 right in the right Love in this it. little. Oh wow! Like this... you heard Adele sing or something. I don't remember the reaction. Yeah, I think I think it was Adele. I think that's exactly it. Yeah, it's like a super happy gay man who's stoked on Adele. That's that's a great that's a long lasting reaction, Jeff. Man, <laughs> that's a good one. Sorry, I had to, I had to get that out of my system. I just knew there was a connection somewhere, and I had to I had to put those neurons together. Um, my major comment about the night spins is that it's just straight up modest mouth nostalgia. Like the guy just does that same, and it's you know nothing nothing at all you, you haven't heard before by a dozen other better bands. I said modest mouse too. Like yeah. aggress- aggressively modest mouse. Yeah. Which I do not want. And this no. guy, you know, he's he's our age, maybe a little bit older, so he was definitely influenced by that wave of modest mouse the first time around, and it seems like he's been trying to keep that going ever since. It's like, well, right. I think it's time to call it quits on that. <laughs> Next up we have uh, they tried to smush together two artists again with Callius, who are the prog metal band with uh, no vocals, and Christopher Doe, Ugh. who was like, I think I called him the guy that plays a keyboard on the boardwalk. Yep. And they did not want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I love the uh, the like studio meltdown with Ash. We got to talk about that. So Callius, yeah, Callius, to their credit again, like we talked about it, and we actually think it would suck ass if we worked with them. <laughs> <laughs> they had some integrity. Yes. And the way, again, we're talking about how things are shot and edited, you just see, like, on one side of the couch is Callius, and the other side is Christopher and his band. They're just kind of, yeah, you know, we talked about it. We don't think it's really going to work. And then, like, a Greek chorus off screen out of nowhere, we hear someone, like, arguing with them. And then finally they cut, and it's Ash, like, standing <laughs> off on the other side of the room, arms full. Just Ash just losing it on this guy. Um, what do you mean, just no? absolutely 
Yeah, just absolutely decimating the guy. He's like, okay, so with all, well, you're you're gonna make that decision with all the decisions you've made that led to 150 views on your YouTube videos and a thousand streams total on your Spotify page. Fucking, you're gonna make those choices. I loved that. I I think Ash is a huge piece of shit. To be clear, but yeah. that was such a good moment of the label head. Like you have terrible impulses. And your failure so far is a reflection of that. You should listen to me on one thing. And, of course, he's like, no, no, no. no. It's, it's a good usage of the gif from Winter Soldier and Falcon where uh, the Falcon says he's out of line, but he's right. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate that, like, given all of this, he's like, okay, if you fail – this is going to be 100% on you. Nobody else, okay? You're not wrong, Walter. You're just an asshole. <laughs> so we get to see, you know, Callius writes writes themselves off the show. Good for them. That's the right move. Yeah, um, always the right there's, move. There's no, there's no way it would have been good. It's no. not possible. Uh-uh. No, no, no. It would no. have been awful. Uh, so we get to see Christopher Dew uh, with his band again that he's repeatedly thrown under the bus. Like, given an opportunity, he will feed them to the wolves. He does not give a shit. <laughs> Well, that was the weird thing was because like when they were arguing with Ash, his band started chiming in and sticking up for him and saying like, no, we are a band. We are friends. We do respect each other. And Ash is very clearly like, well, how come you don't respect them enough to just have a band name instead of your name? And this Doe guy has no answers for any of this shit. I mean, because I don't know, maybe there's like some kind of abusive relationship going on there where his bandmates are like, we must protect Christopher at all costs. (laughs) There's there's one thing, and I mentioned this on the last episode, is randomly an old man shows up like next to them when they're doing their interviews. (laughs) I saw that guy, yeah. And it's it's quietly, just I think Matt Pinkfield mentions it, is that that's their manager, David Ross, who is a longtime manager who I think uh, the... He did a lot of like Motown and Detroit sound bands, including I think Ike Turner was one of the people that he used to manage. So I think the we peel back the onion little story here is that they are probably not a genuine band in the sense of like they're friends in a garage. They were probably pulled together by this manager to be some sort of entity because like the guitarist is a very good guitarist, probably too good for what this is. And it was probably a situation where the, a manager found him in some other band, pulled him out and said, I'm going to put you with these guys. I'm going to put you with Christopher Doe and this drummer from another band. And you were going to be a thing that I manage. So that's probably why they wanted to stick together is because they already existed and probably already had a signed contract that, that they makes, have to be together. That makes sense. We also need to Google what Christopher Doe's parents do. Yeah. Dentists. Um, I... I I, I, one manager. thing I love about bringing up the guitarist is, and I did think he was a really pretty good guitarist, and uh, he he managed to make all these great tones with just his fingers. He didn't use a pick at all. For some reason, Tosin Abasi just hated that guy. Like every time he started soloing, Tosin just had to make a face. It was very odd. But um, and I remember when they were done playing, and it was time for you know the judges to discuss the music. Tosin was like straight up, "Yeah, uh, this is not my thing." Yeah, this is not for me. This is not for me. So I agree with Tosin. I agree with Tosin. I thought it sounded fucking awful. I mean, like, sure, the guitar player is good. Like, I I don't like that he plays the guitar like a bass. That's weird to me. Yeah, Uh, but he's he's undeniably undeniably talented. It's just that the band itself, 
uh, it sounds like dog shit to me as a package. Like if you yeah. put it all in a box, that's that suddenly becomes a box of dog shit. Yeah, and uh, we're not burying a lead here. They didn't win. No. <laughs> they did not. Also, did Chris, not Christopher Doe's voice is not very good. Like he was really struggling with with huge passages no. of that song. Uh, yeah. So again, I don't I don't know what the draw of this whole thing is supposed to be. Uh, I hate this kid. Uh, I hope he goes nowhere. Uh, and uh, it, it was awful. <laughs> and if you're going to be bald on your entire body, man, just 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 take the Mach three to the uh, Happy Trail too, please. For for future reference. Yes. I compared them to an obnoxious wedding band. Yes. And uh, yeah. the other thing that was funny to me is once they finished, Alice Cooper said, boy, what a change. Oh, boy. Not positive, not negative, just acknowledging <laughs> that something had happened. Um, next up, we have Tilly with the song Save Yourself. Mm. I, I, I think that she is... Uh... She's probably one of the top three most talented people that have, have been on this show. That's my opinion on it anyway. Yeah, I, I, I haven't really understood. And one of the big things for me is uh, this kind of highlights for me how out of touch the judges are. And I mean, how can you help it when you have a guy like Alice Cooper, who's 97 years old, and <laughs> Gavin Rosdale, who's 77 years old? And, you know, like it's it's very tough. But Tilly, I especially for the shit that's on the radio right now like Olivia Rodrigo and that awful industry plant Gale with her ABCDFU song. Uh, like that kind of pop punkish sort of, I hate my ex-boyfriend music is huge right now. Yeah. I think Tilly overall was like the best label decision in this whole competition in terms of like just exposure and, and, and popularity. But yeah, I, I and thought marketability. The, yeah. Marketability, absolutely. Tilly was really it for me in terms of that. Probably one of my least favorites, but I recognize what's there. Like, yeah, I and, thought that they would fit in really well opening for Paramore. Absolutely. Yeah, that's and, that's definite definite catch there for sure. For sure. Like you could put them on that when we were young tour and no one would notice kind of thing. And <laughs> I, I don't know. Like they, I think the judges were really dismissive of of this particular act, um, and I don't get why. But yeah. What do we think about Tilly overall? I mean, uh, was there anything else show that happened? Or I think Tilly is probably too talented for for this competition. We'll probably find like we'll probably be successful. Um, like I, I could see that being somebody that is you know actually builds a career, maybe a short lived one, but a career nonetheless. Yeah, one hit wonder written all over, but you know the only hit maker possibly in this show. Yeah, that's 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 where I'm with you on that one. The, yeah. the most likely to actually appear on the radio if for a short amount of time. Which And yeah. then we have Kodiak with Extraordinary Hearts. This was the band that was aping Van Halen. Oh, yeah. Truly, truly awful. Um, this song was better than the first one, but again, by not, not a huge degree. Their vocalist can't sing either. It's, no, uh, he's, vocalist sucks. The vocalist is... They're they're ripping off Van Halen to the degree that their vocalist is a David Lee Roth vocally only. <laughs> I was thinking with this song, which they tried to do more of a power ballad, like if you had a Sammy Hagar singing his part, I think it would be a much better song. Oh yeah, like I think this guy was, and I and the thing about David Lee Roth sucking is just objectively true, but he was 
very stylistic in the way that he sucked. It was a, a dude, creative way to be sucky. The dude drips with charisma. He's a cool Absolutely. dude. It doesn't matter that he can't sing. <laughs> and you're just like, all right, cool. We're drunk. It's time to party. Yeah. Um, you don't have this energy. You don't have this charisma whatsoever from this lead singer. Like, can and you I mean, can you imagine the singer coming up to you and be like, "Hey, man, that suit is you." <laughs> I don't I'd hear punch it. him in the face. Exactly. Get the fuck I'd away like, from me, you, you freak. <laughs> Piece of shit. <laughs> Talk shit about my suit with that face. Now it's punched. Yeah, that's how I feel about it anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's got this baby boy face. He's got this dumb, flippy little not the right kind of segment of music hairdo. Everybody else in the band looks the part except him. And if you're going to have a band like this, the main lead singer, like the front man, has to convey that the hardest. And for some reason, he can. it's the weakest member they have. Um, Jordan, were you a big fan of this one? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to speak. I, I know we, so we talk a lot of shit on Night Spins musically. But I will say that that no. guy leans into being a frontman and like tries to do stuff with whatever personality. I think that could have, if they wanted to make people do collaborations and mix things up, that would have been interesting if they put that guy in with Kodiak. Yeah, mm. I, I could see that. That makes that makes more sense to me. Yeah, the thing about Night Spins though is, and everybody was in agreement that the rest of the band was really good and really tight. Um, not so much with Kodiak, man. I I think that this was just a fucking shit. I hated this. I don't know why I hated this band so much. I think they just hit too close to home for stuff I might actually like, and just uh, the, the, there, the they missed the mark on so many levels. Now this is this is a band that screams, you know, local local band. Like there will always be this local band in your locality. I think it's just it's been done before a long time ago by people who have sold millions and millions of records and this just isn't as good as any of that and i think there's no desire to really hear anything new you know what i mean there's no 80s hair metal revival going on there's no desire to see glam stuff so it's kind of like this thing and on top of that like dressing just like them and acting like them like doing that is instant heat with me because it's like I know you don't really dress like this in your day to day life. I know you're really not hitting the sunset strip. You're just hanging out at home on your phone, so you don't need to wear the tight Van Halen pants and the button down shirt with only three buttons done. It's just like eh, eh, this is this is phony. Yeah, I mean to be fair, like all of all of this is phony all all of music is incredibly fake <laughs> of course and everyone has a gimmicky when they don't say a gimmick it's just this is extremely gimmicky yes yeah. i agree with you uh, uh, and like not entertaining gimmicky no. um so night spins win they move on and the birds go tweet episode nine is semifinals round one and this is where we get mentors mentoring some of the people who have moved on so before before we do this, uh, episode nine is split up into one group. Episode ten is split into the other group. Um, the folks in this group, I'm just going to go ahead and refer to it as the A team, uh, where yes. this is far, far, far better than everything with the B group, including the mentors. <laughs> this should have been the finals. Yes, um, because the, the the quality, the divide in quality, is so jarring. <laughs> 
Uh, it's like uh, watching playoffs for sports and just one division is way better than the other one. And the best team in the league plays the second best team in the league in like the division finals instead of like the Stanley Cup or the NBA yep, finals where yep. they play an inferior team and it's a 4-0 wipeout. Exactly. Uh, well, let's go ahead and introduce it here. Sorry, go ahead and get back into it, Jordan. So we have Jenny March's mentor is Andy from Blackvale Brides. The native Howl get Blasco. Good fit. Slay Squad get Bishop Briggs. You get what you deserve. And Yep. And Josie Pace gets Alice Cooper. Now, Blasco with Native Howell, sure, that works, especially because he reveals that he's Clutch's manager. Yeah, and he's like, I didn't know. He's like, hey, if even if this doesn't work out, I'm probably going to take you on tour with Clutch. <laughs> like, like, way to show your hand and way to just show that there's no drama whatsoever. Because even if you lose, you're still going to be set at least for what you want to do. So there's that. Um, Alice Cooper with Josie Pace, I think, was a smart choice. I think that made yeah. the most sense. <clears throat> right. Um, Andy with Jenny March is weird. Very I weird. I didn't quite get that one. I, Jenny especially March when you making have, it this far is weird. We saw so, we been, saw so much of Jenny March, so much more than like she deserved to be <laughs> shown. I and you have like, Bishop Briggs, who is a pop artist. Why don't you have them work together? And why don't you have Andy work with Slay Squad? Yeah, that makes oh more God, sense. That's so much more obvious. Yeah, now that you put it that way, uh, I was surprised. I, I don't think of yeah. I, I was kind of surprised by uh, watching Andy uh, from Blackville Brides. He seemed like a very kind of a very funny person. Uh, I was expecting him to be a total moron. <laughs> you got to have a good extremely sense of humor. normal. Yeah, yeah. He was you very normal and had some some good helpful advice. Although, again, why is the rock guy giving advice to? The pop lady, although she like, she does talk about how she went to college and like did m- music management and marketing. He's like, I didn't even graduate high school. <laughs> they, they had a nice moment. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, um, then we had Bishop with Slay Squad awesome. and possibly the funniest moment, not just in YouTube history, but possibly music history. Because what the fuck was this? All right, so this, I, I didn't want to do it, but I'm going to have to clip it and play some audio from this show on our program today. Um, Jordan, do you want to give just a brief description of what people are about to hear? So Slay Squad, we know, is the hip-hop deathcore band, and mm-hmm. Bishop Briggs is a pop artist who I just learned had her first child, so Mazel Tov, congratulations to her. Oh, nice. And I also learned that her real name is Sarah McLaughlin. Get the f- get the fuck seriously, dude. Seriously, so yes, fair enough. Bishop Briggs is is a good change, yeah. Um, but yeah, her real name is Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah, you have no choice at that <laughs> and point. Sh- I I think the what she wants to do uh, isn't like bad advice because they later on talk about this as well as like trying to have some sort of hook, which is uh, what I could say a lot of deathcore bands need because it's just heavy and breakdowns all the time. And just having maybe a little piece for some to for people to remember and to help you stand out from the thousands of other deathcore bands that out there doing it. That's not bad advice. But she takes it upon herself to like try to write a song with them and try to like play keyboards with them and it is just bad. It is 
bad. Let's let's go ahead and we'll give a listen to this because description is not going to do us any favors here. There you go, old Sarah McLaughlin on the pipes. <laughs> Yikes, man! Um, this band not, is a this band is completely generic. Am, am I wrong on that one? Doomed at the start, man. Yeah. They really, they really could not have won this competition. They couldn't have. They the game didn't was have rigged from the start. <laughs> really, really softball edition. Ah, oh, God, and and yeah, it makes zero sense that collaboration that sort of um teaching for them to have bishop briggs do it it made just her feature did nothing for them they looked confused yep i feel kind of bad for those boys that they had to be in a room with this lady <laughs> like i i know this is probably who they had at their disposal like black veil brides is on sumerian you know all these other people are already there but if maybe it wasn't a pandemic time and they could have gotten him, like Ice T would have been a good mentor. Absolutely, for yeah, absolutely, yeah. And we have, like I mentioned, Alice Cooper with Josie Pace, which a good team up. I think he had some good advice for them, like trying to help enhance their image and try to boost Josie up. Uh, and he's joined by Nita Strauss, his guitarist, who recently left and is now with Selena Gomez. Good so her. good for her, moving up in the world. Yeah, uh, Chase the money, honey. Yeah, and she's already signed to Sumerian Records, so that's why she was easy to get. Um, this is, and we all like kind of liked what Josie Pace had done in the first round. This is where we learned that the other guy, the keyboardist, who we weren't sure if it's if her boy, it's her boyfriend or partner, what that deal was. This is where he kind of revealed himself as being that guy. He's that guy that you've ever been to in any show who has been around a long time. And has never had success, but thinks he knows everything because he kind of jumps in on like what Alice Cooper is saying and explaining to them. He like interrupts him a lot. Yeah. And like his voice is a little bit louder than everyone else's. And it was just like, ooh, I don't like you. Yeah. Uh, again, you should. I think that, you know, Alice Cooper is a, a million years old, um, you know, probably. He's probably got something that you could listen to, though, you know? <laughs> yeah. something, something's useful, right? I mean, you, if you're being told advice from people that are much more, like, objectively successful than you in every regard, maybe just shut up and take it. That's my thought. 
there, there is some degree to, you know, being outdated there where, you know, as we mentioned, Alice Cooper is a million years old. So it's kind of like your parents telling you to, you know, go take your, your resume to every business in town. <laughs> You'll get hired. Like, sure, maybe some of the, the advice that you've got is a little outdated, but still uh, very successful. Maybe listen to something. Maybe maybe he made a little bit further in the business than you did. And uh, he did have, well, you, Joe, your favorite line of probably the entire show. When talking about the other bands, oh god, what was it? It was something along the lines of eighty oh, oh, percent oh, of these. Oh, 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 yes. Sorry, <clears throat> uh, Alice Cooper. Yeah, I wrote this down because it was so fucking funny. Here's a quote from Alice Cooper: eighty percent of these people are going to be working on cruise ships in ten years. <laughs> <laughs> Not wrong. I can think of at least one, Christopher Doe. Oh yeah, that that dude has fucking cruise ship written all over him. <laughs> Hey man, cruise ships are you know that's a fun job. You know, no, life it's not. on the open seas, all the buffet food you can eat. A couple of casinos. A couple of guys I went to high school with. Uh, after they graduated, they turned onto the cruise ship life, and they have been there ever since. Getting norovirus, it's it seems like a truly desperate way to live, man. Yeah, and you know someone can murder you, and there's going to be no investigation because you're on international waters. Yeah. If you can avoid uh, getting a job on a cruise ship, you probably should. There. So th- th- this is the part of the show where I think it starts to become more of a slog for watching stuff. With the previous episodes, it was a lot quicker, and we get to be introduced to a couple of different bands and personalities in quick succession. These episodes, each band gets two songs, and we pretty much listen to the entirety yeah. of each song. And at this point, we already know what these bands sound like. And this is just more of it. And it's like, well, I, I didn't like the first bite. Stop making me eat the rest of the sandwich. I was fast forwarding quite a bit through these. Yeah. yeah. I, the, the judge advice was the fucking same because it's the same music by the same band. I love your energy. Yeah. <laughs> Gavin, just I don't I don't get it. I don't you, I don't know why everybody likes you guys so much. I don't understand the compliments. It's your not your, good. Li- your lyrics are not very deep. They're not deep like uh, should I fly to Los Angeles and find my asshole brother? <laughs> yeah, you telling me the breathe and breathe out, breathe and breathe out, breathe and breathe out guy has a problem with lyrics? Yeah, uh, I I think what would have been a, a good addition to the show is maybe these mentors give them one specific piece of advice like do this slay squad put in a chorus or something like that and then they have to do it yeah and like a challenge one of their songs. yeah exactly you know you have to do it did you meet this challenge did you do it yes or no and then they can play one more original song something like that i think would have added more to the competition aspect and would have allowed us to like see some of these bands if they have the capabilities and the desire to do these things and to listen to their mentors and to actually be judged on something instead of like yeah. okay this is another deathcore song eggs absolutely and that's what makes other shows worth watching if you're watching i don't know like like my wife's been watching blown away on netflix where it's a, a glass blowing competition right and for every single challenge the artists have to meet certain parameters to make it through to the next round like you have to follow the brief and there were never any fucking briefs in this show anywhere at least i mean i thought 
that the with the Mercy Council stuff telling people like, OK, John Doe, you have to collaborate with these guys, etc. It was really odd to me to see that they could just go, no, nope. yeah, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> I, I thought about it and I decided no. <laughs> and then to have some people do it and it doesn't matter. It didn't change things one way or the other. Um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I get what you're saying. It's just, yeah, useless. So Slay Squad did two songs, Sation and Delirium. It's deathcore. It's hip-hop. They are what they are. Uh, the drummer is very good in comparison to the rest of the band. Um, <laughs> they do have, like, uh, they never really focused on them. They had a sound guy, sort of DJ, guy with a laptop. But I didn't really hear too many samples or, like, backing stuff. So I don't know if that was just editing or a sound issue but i would have been curious to hear a little bit more of like what they were capable of if it could have filled in that spot of you know you need something memorable remember thriller you don't remember the lyrics but you remember <laughs> how it sounds so like i don't know maybe they could have done something with that uh, jenny march had two songs all in and november nights where she was joined by a full band who they're not her band. They're just musicians that they pulled together the night before. Yeah. I guess they just had people on standby. I mean, they're yeah, in I LA. I assume if you need a session guy, you can find one like within an hour. Within throwing distance, they just open to the door to the troubadour and say, all right, who's a bassist? And everyone comes running up holding their bass, and the first guy to get to the door is in. It's kind of like yeah, Fiverr.com. Yeah, it's a great website. Kind of like if you need help uh, with drywall, you're outside the Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> Just ash outside of musicians or a guitar center with a pickup truck, just loading people in. All right, I need yeah. <laughs> need five hombres. <laughs> you just you just clap the side of your pickup truck as you roll by. You don't say a word, and they all just roll in. <laughs> I love, uh, all right, guys, let's go. I love. Sorry, I, I got to pause right here. I just fucking love the idea of musician day laborers hanging outside guitar center. That's <laughs> that's a very fun thought to me. Yeah. And the criticism for Jenny on the second song is that they all point out that her vocals are off pitch. Yep. And he, she admits it, too. And it's just one of those things where if you're off pitch, especially with a band you've never played before, you can't, like, rely on people. You can't look towards someone to try to get yourself centered and focused. And it uh, doesn't work out for her. And that's kind of her downfall, I suppose you could say. I, I don't know how she got the opportunity to do like six songs on this show because she's not yeah. very interesting and I didn't think she was incredibly talented either. The songs I, were not good. She, Sorry, go ahead. I, I think she was pitchy the whole show. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, she just, she she seems like that kind of girl with like pop stardom in mind you've seen at a million bars where you're just like, you know, distracted from a conversation you'd otherwise want to have at the bar while she's there. Like I did not, I did not get this show's obsession with Jenny March this entire time. Yeah. Um, she must've known somebody. There must've been some star power, stupid aspect to it. Some uncle or something that, that honestly, that's my impression of this as well. I don't see how somebody that has otherwise kind of been devoid of any kind of charisma uh, or talent would get to, be on screen this much so i don't know well it's not up to us i guess not up to us we're not in the showbiz next up we have the native howl with something else and peppy uh it's we already know what they are it's thrash grass bluegrass thrash banjo picking and grinning uh i think at this point i referred to them as mumford and sons of satan that's pretty good 
that's what they're going for. We know what it is. Um, and everyone's into it. Everyone likes it. Uh, and finally, we have Josie Pace doing Perfect Replacement and Battleground. I liked the first song that she did on episode like four or whatever, but these were not these were not very good to me. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like you said, uh, it, uh, it familiarity breeds contempt. Yeah, <laughs> the longer we got a, a look at her and uh, her band and everything, the the veil comes off. They're not as good as we would have thought. I mean, with that said, I would. I would consider her like musically, especially in a modern day sense, much more viable than a Jenny Marsh or like a, uh, a lot of the other bands in this. Yeah. But, yeah. I, yeah. I agree with you on that. Yeah. I think I'm more open to sort of the electronic industrial type stuff. So I didn't, I thought it was okay. Yeah. Um, I thought it was great. I, thought it was I, I think they do have something. I don't know if modern music where that something is, I think they would fit in good on like, cold waves festival that sort of thing where you could fit in with a frontline assembly a stabbing westward people that are are more leaning towards that stuff i think they would do fairly well Mm. and um this is where was this the episode where yeah the keyboardist guy who's really behind the band argues with the judges which is something we've never seen on this show yeah that was right and there's a yeah they're trying to give constructive criticism and like real honest stuff that would help them. And at one point, like mentioning maybe since you're using all of these electronics and effects, put more on Josie. So there's a little something extra in each song and they suggest reverb. And this keyboardist guy jumps in without a microphone, by the way, saying, I hate reverb. <laughs> oh, I hate reverb. And they go back to him. They're like, but it's not what you like. It's what the audience wants to hear. They are the people telling you like what you need. And also you're not the one singing. Josie is doing that stuff. It's how she sounds. It's so this is again this, you know, older boyfriend at the goth club. Yeah. Butting oh God, in this fucking guy. Yeah, she, should, she should definitely controlled. leave him. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely get him as far away from you as possible. But yeah, I I remember Bishop specifically when he's like that was the quote was it's not about you is it you know so was, she's right was this not. the episode where Bishop Briggs had painted stitches all across her face for some reason yeah she had the Sally from uh fucking Nightmare, Nightmare Before, Before that was the next one <laughs> oh, okay. that was the oh. next one I have that written down <laughs> oh good yeah um but yeah it was just very defensive mm-hmm. and like unnecessarily so and uh, I. I wonder what else goes on that we don't see between all of them because very controlling and uh, I think she should get away from that guy and just hook up with probably some younger people who do the same thing and have some better ideas. Um, ultimately, Native Howl are the winner of semifinals round one, which, yeah, I agree with. Fair enough. Yep. Um, episode 10, semifinals round two. All right, this, this is, is where, where it gets we bad. get. <laughs> <laughs> this is the B show. This is the yeah. uh, Friday night rampage to your Wednesday night dynamite, your SmackDown to your Raw. Uh, for Slaves of Humanity, the very generic radio rock band, they get Jeff Gordon, who um, has He's been a manager best for best damn long. NASCAR racer alive. <laughs> yep, and they call him an Ubermensch. Oh yeah, which, uh, yeah. There you go. Uh, Night Spins get Carmen Vandenberg from Bones UK, who Breno you talked about earlier. Um, That's right. 
Kellen Quinn is with Penny Fountain, which fair. I think that's an okay team up of who you have lying around. Okay, close enough. And then Mirror Lake gets Katie Babs, who is a radio host. Good luck. Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also uh one of the fashion designers for Dawn Ritz. Uh, yeah, Dawn Ritz, right? For uh she's like, oh, she's helped dress up Lady Gaga for the stage and Slipknot too and was like far more qualified than a lot of other people on this show and sure yeah but like takes them shopping that's yeah that was fun and the the shopping that they do she's like you're in your regular clothes and you need your stage clothes and they're like in nice button downs and she like just puts them in generic t-shirts which i thought was kind of a downgrade to be yeah, honest dude either. when i saw them what she called this is like your guys regular clothes right like they were dressed up way more than I would expect most bands, especially in my area, to be. Like, everything is jeans and t-shirts everywhere on stage for most of metal music. And these guys, I thought, were pretty dressed up anyway. So that was an odd take, I thought. Um, oh. Again, like, I, I gotta wonder why mo- none of these bands on this lineup needed to be there. It was pretty pretty bad and then you got to hear two more songs from all of them uh yeah definitely the b squad slaves of humanity was the first one right just like god damn incredibly generic radio rock like really really tough to really tough to sit through this one (laughs) i loved all the heat they got for their name Uh, it's like are are we really gonna be talking about slaves in 2022 as a band name guys come on (laughs) Well, even the band Slaves changed their name, so fair enough. Or did Slaves uh, you know, did, on Dope change their name? I, I think they're still on Dope. Dope oh. is still acceptable. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, it's still the truth, so they get to tell that tale. They're just called On Dope BC now. <laughs> <laughs> so Slaves Team Annie played two songs, Tear Us Apart and Behind My Back. Again, generic rock. The second song I said sounded like Buck Cherry, which no yeah. thank you. No yeah. thanks. The Night Spins are back again Fuck. with two songs, Fuck. Bad Drunk and Wedding Gown. Fuck. It can't be stopped, man. They're going to take is it. Where, this is where they really aggressively sound like Modest Mouse, but louder and shriller. And this time he's wearing his grandma's gold shirt. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you guys ever really had enough unfortunate dates with people you shouldn't have to, to know of modest mouse's more broader discography and more of their music besides like their big hit or whatever but um this was this stuff they were doing especially later in the competition was a lot like the more general modest mouse vibe like it was like a pretty pretty hard carbon copy of a lot of it hate it absolutely hate it yeah next up we have penny fountain these are the guys who are like 17 years old they do a song White Whale and Brains. Uh, you know, young kid grunge rock. They said they were really inspired by Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins. So uh, for people our age, that's a good window into what people are listening to now. now is stuff we grew up with. Everything's cyclical. And the yeah. second song was more close to their, like, their pop punk. We're inspired by Blink-182 type stuff. Yeah, I, I thought it was odd in the first episode. They were saying that they were more Blink-182, but then they kind of went more to the grunge reference for the uh for this episode which i i i guess that makes more sense in their terms of their sound anyway Uh, they're young 
this is it. <laughs> There's that much to say. I shouldn't have to listen to 15-year-olds play music. No. That's my it, it opinion. Sounds just, it sounded just like that. Yeah. And we finish up with Mirror Lake doing the song Shadows and Somber. I do, I do not like this band at all. <laughs> yeah. There was so much drama around the Mirror Lake uh, feature on this show. Um, it was... Like the, the I I just I, the judges absolutely adored Mirror Lake in the way they spoke, but like never picked them for the win. You know, it was no, well, they odd. adored the vocalist. They didn't adore oh, the rest right. of the band. The, the the music itself pretty boring. Uh, I think the feedback yeah. that they got was that like you guys don't do anything. <laughs> like there's lots of room for you to do things, but you don't do anything. But more yeah, to the they, point, they tried to push. They tried to push the vocalist to like go out on her own. Yeah, but but more than that, I thought the vocalist was bad at vocals. Like really, yeah. really pushing for like a kind of a new metalish. Like oh, I'm there's so much going on, and it just it sounded sounded like trying to take a difficult shit. Like it just did not ah! sound good to me. I'm gonna I do got that for to, my next difficult shit. I got in this moment Street Line Stitch vibes from them, so that uh, radio yeah. metal yeah. playing second on a Carolina Rebellion festival type thing for them. Uh, the other thing about Mirror Lake is they had a very like personal, awkward backstage moment with the guitarist. Yeah, like, having a breakdown, which felt very out of place with the rest of the show. Right. There was the whole tr- – and that was – I mean you said something about the Loveless back and forth with the Twee Lady as being the most dramatic. But I think this was the real drama of the show was this like teary-eyed backstage moment where uh, Walter, the guitarist from Mirror Lake, um, he has to quit the band on camera because his wife is having a baby and he's got some, some big decisions to make. Um. So yeah, I mean well, that was actually the final episode. I think we're we're skipping ahead a bit, but that happened. I mean, it was a uh, you know, it was a real awkward thing because the band was definitely not as upset as he was. You just saw them kind of sitting there, look at him like, "It's okay, man. Don't worry about it." We'll yeah, like you, you got a wife and a baby. You should probably go take care of them. We'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, it's it's literally okay. And um, ultimately, the night spins win again. Boo. So. Yeah, let's talk about the end of this episode because this brings up um, this brings up a great point I was I was having about the editing and the way this fucking show is put together. Um, there there was this so they they picked the night spins but they did it unanimously right. However, like they did they made this editing decision where they would just go at every single judge and have them just kind of give their whole spiel and show their uh, napkin but they all picked night spins so I think they should have discussed that a bit like they should have all made their comments and then revealed all at once that it was night spins because what ended up happening is like they did that slowly and three out of five judges picked night spins and then like one of the judges had this moment where she was like oh okay so that's like three for night spins so there you go uh but anyway, let's hear. Uh, uh, so anyway, uh, let's hear what Tosin Abasi has to say. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it's just <laughs> yeah. There there should have been an executive decision of like, okay, we know what they're gonna pick, so let's build up some drama. Yeah, let's exactly. Have some sort of controversy or yeah, yeah. Throw throw two wild cards in there if you know Knights is gonna win anyway. 
Like, if you guys loved Mirror Lake so much, just have two people pick Mirror Lake. Just do that. I'm, I'm with now, you on that. Create some kind of filmable thing. <laughs> did we? Was this the episode where? No, there. It, I think we. I think we glazed over. It, but there was an end of one episode where some of the judges were picking two bands. Yes. You guys remember that? Yeah, I do. Remember. What a clusterfuck that was. They were just like, uh, uh, uh the. Ju- <laughs> Kellen Quinn's like, um, is uh, is this allowed? I don't. Can we do this? He's like looking at the camera. <laughs> Yeah, Tosin Nabossi is like, I did not get the memo that we were allowed to choose two bands, but regardless, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go ahead and make a decision. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm a fucking professional. I'm not a child. No one one puts Tosin Nabossi in the corner. Exactly. Um, This was the episode, and we briefly touched on it, where Bishop had stitched up doll makeup for no reason. God, I hate her. She just had like Halloween, like I said, Sally from Nightmare Before Christmas, like stitched makeup randomly uh, without, you know, any any reason or motivation to do this. She just showed up like that one day. Yeah, like, if she's she just so with, random. If she went with Mirror Lake to like get designed and done up and like that's what she came out looking like. This is her new look like that would have made sense. This is just she showed up one day and just has this stuff drawn on her face. It's like, all right, I am not like other girls. She pulls out a spork and says, I am to Penguin of Doom. <laughs> uh, anyway. I'm going to sing the Doom song now. No, let's move on. We're, we're at the end. We're at the finale. Oh, God. Um, thank, thank every you. every TV show ends at episode 11, right? Yeah, that's exactly what we do. <laughs> yes. Ah. So we do in a roundabout way find out why there's only 11 episodes and why there were bands missing from that were included on their website from the show and it's a fair reason it's because we have four international groups who again this was shot during the worst parts of the pandemic and now it doesn't matter you can go wherever you want uh Hang on. three w- of them are from the uk and one is from the united arab emirates i will be right back you guys continue i can't remember which uh there was some of the had the word alien in the name. Did you have that written down? Yes, I, I came prepared as always. Good, good. First, we have Little Triggers, who are from Liverpool. They had a song "Burn." This was like the White Stripes. I said White Stripes Junior is how they. Sounded. It was. It was exactly like the White Stripes. It was because I remember it was just like a guitarist and a drummer, and then that was it. And then and the music was just like it. Remember that little? They tried to push it as a garage rock revival. The White Stripes, The Strokes, who else Black was there? The Highs, um, like, uh, Cage the Elephant. Yeah, those come, those came on a little bit later. Um, there was The Vines, remember them? I gotta get free, you know, all that stuff. Um, I don't know, man. Vampire Weekend, I'm not really good at this stuff. I'd I like, think those came on a little bit later and were a little yeah, bit more, it, more poppier. But the it last was, 20 years are gray mush to me in terms yeah. of like indie music. It's all, it all kind of is the same. And it's been 20 years, so now it's like, oh, this is new again. Just like how uh, the other bands were inspired by like Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins. Now we have bands inspired by the White Stripes and the Strokes. And that's yeah. what this is. It's okay for you to do a greater than fleet of the White Stripes these days because it has been so long since they made like music that people wanted to hear. Yeah, everything old is new again. I'm oh, curious as to what the judges would have said for this, because of you know, for lack of originality, they did at least sound tight. 
Um, so maybe they could have appealed in some ways and filled in some gaps where some of these other bands that were pretty generic, if maybe they would have gotten the boot instead. Um, yeah, I think the why I think the comparison would have been made, and like I think Tosin would if if he got in front of a uh, what was it the triggers, little Love triggers, triggers. Oh, the little triggers. Yeah, he would have been like you know this this reminds me of something a lot, and I don't think it's that original. <laughs> yeah, and he would have been right. Yeah. So next we have Alien Blaze from London with the song "Hate Me," and my notes for this are: What is this? This sucked so much. This was very bad. Um, I don't know how this got considered for competition. I don't know how a lot of these things got considered for the competition, especially when we're talking of like a global uh, aspect now of these people that couldn't make it over internationally. Like why this one? Maybe because she has a certain look that they were going for. Um, I'm not like other girls. Maybe she had connections that we didn't know about. A secret manager that never gets discussed. Um, maybe Ash thought she was cute. I don't know. Um, this was <laughs> it was like, Ash's girlfriend the whole time. <laughs> could have been uh, dark pop, I guess. Mm. Uh, she was like holding a guitar for most of the video, but didn't really play it all that much. Unplugged, yeah. <laughs> the BC this Rich with type- a with a capo on the third fret. Yeah, that's our girl right there. Yeah. This could have. This is one of those things where it could be a hit in the UK. And people were like, oh, this is going to be the next big thing. Watch out, America, here it comes. And then you never hear of her again because Whoa. it's so hard for UK artists to break out in America. Um, it's there, there's a few. There was actually a show on MTV. I can't remember the name of the band where it was like they're the next big thing in the UK and they're finally coming to America. What will happen? And of course, you never hear of them again because for whatever reason it's hard to make the transition some are able to do it but like one-to-one it doesn't really happen it's like in terms of metal and i brought them up before stamping ground is one of those bands where they were on century media in the early 2000s where that really mattered they were getting comparisons to pantera when that still mattered right after pantera had broken up and we're playing sold out shows in big venues in the uk and it just never happened in america and I've, just, I've never heard of this band in my life <laughs> and they they were one of those up-and-coming bands and we're going to be the next big thing and this didn't happen it didn't happen they broke up i think two of the members started a band called romeo must die which wow you you um, can't do that <laughs> you, you can't do that jet lee and dmx have that covered man X going to give it to you, even though he's gone. Um, well, that's just like there's a metal band now called Bane. And it's like, you can't, you can't do that. Do that. Can't. There's a well-established, no. much-beloved hardcore band called Bane that have been around a lot longer than you have. Yeah, what was it? There was um this this like stoner doom band that added me on, on Twitter recently. And if you guys are listening, I'm sorry, but uh, your name is Czar. Like, C-Z-A-R. Uh-huh. It's, that's not... That's not a name that's not taken, I promise you. Yeah. Uh, you can, before you settle on a name, you can always try just Googling that name uh, with plus band and see if something comes up. It might be a good idea to do that. I think. Uh, metal, metal Archives, archives. at the, yeah, Metal Archives at the minimum because, you know, and that was a huge, I, mean, I always bring this up, but that was a huge point of contention with me and my band because the, the guys that were making all the decisions made all bad ones 
Worlds. And I was like, guys, please just fucking think for a day about what we could be called besides a band name that's been taken 400 times over. So, like, I was trying to think about this last week. I saw a band open up for the Blood Brothers, and I want to say, like, 2006. And I was trying to remember what that band was, and I finally figured it out. Their name was Ceremony, but not the very popular, like, hardcore band Ceremony. It was a different band called Ceremony. And then I go through Spotify, and there's fucking 15 bands called Ceremony. I think there's a Doom band called Ceremony. There is, yeah. and you can't, you just can't keep naming your band Ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> you there's, roughly a, there's roughly a million bands named the Badden, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we see like bands that are humongous and have had a certain name for years and years change their name over like silly legal things. You know, and if if they're gonna go through it, if you're gonna have like a situation like Rhapsody of Fire <laughs> on on that fucking level, where this is a well-established band who's put out tons of albums on on this name, and a name change is only gonna hurt them at this juncture, why would you fucking do it when you're starting out right at the gate? Pick something like, oh well, no one's probably heard of them, so. Uh, will be the 16th ceremony like it's fucking just name your band 16th ceremony and people will get it i don't know just throw an adjective in there a color a, a letter a the number, ceremonies J josie and the ceremonies yeah there we go uh next next up uh sapphire from london with let the devil decide i skipped it sort of passion doomy but not doomy enough to be like doom at all it was fine. I, it's fine. Uh, and the last one from United Arab Emirates was Metarust with Keep in Touch. No, if, thank you. I won't. If this is the best band that the United Arab Emirates has to offer, my advice for a lot of bands out there is maybe move to the United Arab Emirates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This sucks. Uh, this was this is dog shit. This was sub reverb nation level. This is I can't figure out how a four four beat goes. This is this is the bottom of the barrel. Absolute worst. Yeah. It was like post metal, but not tight or cohesive. And then just random harsh vocals thrown in. Very very bad. I also noticed that they had uh, what is it, uh, the Axe FX or was it the, the Kemper? The Kemper was hi hiding out in the room with them. Yeah, uh, unnecessary, completely unnecessary. Uh, let's let's move on. Let's go ahead and wrap this one up. I think that's called an unnecessary. That's an overinvestment, as I as I pointed out earlier. Yes, correct. <laughs> You're getting a Kemper for your shitty shitty band. You don't need it. But uh, we'll move on. We'll move on. We're this is the there. finale. It's yeah, Native Hell done. versus Night Spins. Yeah. Uh, again, we know what these bands sound like, but now you get to hear them three times. Uh, Native Hell plays Mercy, Into the Darkness, and Sons of Destruction, which the vocalist tries to explain as some sort of made-up backstory of Prohibition in 2020, and the Sons of Destruction are, I don't know, bringing destruction back? I didn't quite get it. They're not, they're talented. They're not smart. <laughs> and this is at, at this point with the whatever six song they're doing where I got real tired of his like wild eyed, crazy eyebrows expressions. Get some new expressions, get a different look, relax it a little bit. So when you do it, it's at least, oh, they're going crazy now. 
Um, also get some shoes. Please don't go on to these gross stages where people spit and drop their sticky booze and all sorts of stuff. It's, your feet are going to get yucky. You're going to need some tough actin to act in. You're going to get pinworms that way, dude. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this is where the vocalist lapsed a little bit into Chad Kroger voice occasionally. Yeah, he sure did. Uh, especially mm. from like their album The State. They have like a song called uh, Cowboy Hat where it's very – Similar sounding. Um, so we we have them. We have the night sweats. We all know how we feel about the night sweats. We don't the need meat to get... sweats. So uh, it's the night spins. Oh shit! Fuck. Sorry. Uh, who cares? Anyway, so they they do the thing where every every judge like pulls their napkin around at the same time to reveal who they thought would be the winner, and it's unanimous. You got the native howl. Yeah, that makes sense. They're a better band yeah. than the night spins. <laughs> They were pretty much handed this competition by going up against the Night Spins because Native Howell, they've succeeded the whole way up, whereas Night Spins has failed the whole way up. You know, they had like they had to get saved. They had to get advice. They had to work a lot harder. Native Howell was just kind of loved all throughout. Yeah. Blasco's like, I'm going to take you guys on tour with Clutch regardless, whereas (laughs) we have like Tosin Abasi grilling the Night Sweats like. Uh, so why hasn't anything happened for you by now? <laughs> Which is a fair question. It, uh, because, yeah. I mean, they have their, their stuff down, their shtick, their gimmick, whatever you want to call it. You know, as much as we don't like it, they were tight and they had their image, and which is something we don't want to listen to, but we know lots of people would. And they didn't really have a great answer. It was like, well, we recorded, but we didn't get the sound we wanted and we worked with other people. And it didn't work out. It's like, that's not a very good answer. So you kept saying the night sweats instead of the night spins. And I was like, why does that sound so familiar? Um, so I very quickly on my mechanical keyboard, just Googled it in the background for everybody's ASMR uh, privileges. And, uh, it's Jonathan, so, Jonathan Ratliff. Nope. Rat, Nathaniel Ratliff. Uh, Ratliff. Yeah, and, and the, the Night, Night Sweats. That's right. Uh, who is a, SOB. Who is a very, that's a very successful band. I think they suck, but they're successful. Successful. So you don't want a band name that is uh, like the off brand of the successful band name. That's my opinion on that anyway. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. Um, awful. <laughs> So okay, let's let's go ahead. Very and wrap like it. very copying of a culture that's not theirs. Let's let's and wrap. they nightspins did that too with the preacher shtick at the end. They did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Black Southern preacher, I should say. Oh boy, uh, we do need to wrap this up. We've gone on pretty long. I don't want to keep talking about how much I hate the night sweats or the night spins. Either one. Uh, we have our winners, the native howl. The game was rigged from the start, in my opinion. But let's go ahead and talk about a news story that uh, popped out a couple of years ago. You pulled out Jordan. Uh, this was from 2015. Headline here on Lambgoat. Band calls out Sumerian Records for Road to the Sphinx competition. Now, you guys, were you familiar with the Road to the Sphinx previously? Road to the Sphinx are more like... Hey, get their asses. It sounds familiar. Like, I had forgotten about this. And I might no. be conflating it with... Uh, the summer slaughter battle of the bands they used to always have. Oh, yeah. God, that was. Yeah. So, Sumerian, they're no strangers to battles of the bands uh, because, as we've discussed, this is a cheap way to get heat. You're always going to get paid. The bands are the ones that have to suffer. Um, so, this seven years ago, Sumerian Records put this on. Their winner was uh, a quote, electro metal jazz core band called Numbers. <laughs> 
Yeah, I get the douche chills all over from that one, man. Uh, I bet they're great. So the, and the prize for this competition was the same deal here. You get a record deal with Sumerian Records. Now, is a record deal with Sumerian Records in 2022 a good thing? Depends on what your goals are, but I would say probably not. I, I don't think this is something that you should put a lot of uh, emphasis into. Um, but uh, Numbers, this band here that won, claimed that they had, were offered a really bad contract uh, and they signed away all control of the band. Um, so they were stating that it was confusing, unfair, frustrating, and messed up. Uh, and was not a big fan of their, their method of uh, scooping up uh, unknown bands. Um, had you have you seen anything previously about uh, bands having beef with Sumerian Records, Jordan? Uh, it, the problem is, I always kind of confuse Sumerian with Victory, who had a lot of problems oh, with yeah. bands. Yeah, and um, oh, what was the other Trust Kill? Same thing. Yeah, always had a lot of problems with a lot of bands. So, um, maybe there's out there. I know they have a a decent sized alumni section which always kind of makes you nervous when you look at some of these bands and you're like who who is this what happened to them where they put out one album and then you never hear them again um prosthetic does that a lot too uh so i don't know i can't really think of any other examples just off the top of my head with sumerian having problems but uh yeah like you said having a contract with them isn't and with any label isn't a guarantee for any sort of success and with this band numbers, there's actually video. It's still up on YouTube of the one of the main guys, Kyle Bishop, talking about it. And he had a lengthy back and forth with Ash himself, like in the comments section. It seems to me that the primary problem that numbers had here is that they refused to have a lawyer look at this and explain it to them. <laughs> Always have a lawyer or at least your parents look at something before yeah. you do it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it sounds like it's a combination of just being given a shitty deal and just being young and inexperienced and just being so thrilled that you sign whatever you get. Yeah, and I think that's been the downfall of a lot of people. It's you're so eager to have somebody say you're good and I like you. That uh, you're gonna you're gonna sign on to something unnecessary. Uh, do you need a record label in 2022? If you, especially if you're playing in like metal, almost certainly not. Like, probably, definitely not. You you can kind of figure it out on your own if <laughs> if people are into it or not. Uh, that you're you're the only thing holding you back. Um, but that being said, I do enjoy the spectacle of this shit. Uh, it's it's fun to pretend like getting a record deal matters. I think so, anyway. It depends on what you want to do, ultimately, as a band. And if you like want to commit and, like, yeah, you want to be on the road 150 days out of the year and you want to play middle of nowhere West Virginia on a Tuesday night, like, you might need a little label help to get you boosted and to hook you up with the right tours and, I don't know, learn where to get a van from and how to get insurance for it and get some sort of distribution and just... PR work so you don't have to do all that stuff because doing it all on your own is horrible and it's exhausting and when it doesn't work out you just get mad at yourself yep so um, I don't know that's something to think about uh, that being said though we're going all along right now and I gotta get the fuck out of here so closing thoughts well um, I think overall no covers uh 
I think they dropped the ball on what could have been really good for the label by putting in the hands of these judges who I just, I don't know, man, like they have a certain kind of experience, but I don't think that experience is finding musicians who are successful. I think if, if you are the successful musician and you have the lightning in the bottle appeal, that doesn't necessarily mean you have the exact answer for other styles of music or other musicians, things like that. So I really question a lot of the decisions made by the judges. I thought that, um, this howling band, I forgot their fucking name. They're, they're, they were native Howell. They were, you know, probably a band I liked hearing the most, but I don't think they were anywhere near the most viable label option. I think they had a lot more, uh, possibly successful groups on their hands than these guys. Whereas I think like, this is great carnival fair music. It'll sell a lot of beers at a beer festival, but that's, I I feel the opposite. Like this is the only steady money band you're going to (laughs) see. Yeah, but that steady money is going to be like selling fried dough. Yeah, that's uh, that's, that's where the money's will come from. You know? It's a carny business, man. You got to go back to the roots. <laughs> yeah, but it just shows why Sumerian isn't on the same level as say like Warner Brothers. I don't maybe Warner Brothers owns them. I don't fucking know. But it's like they're not uh, they're not top dogs for a reason. Like, yeah, they, they, getting five hundred thousand views on a Sumerian Records uh, bit of media that's typical. You see how this show went. Like you have a name like Alice Cooper, that should draw a million plus views, and it didn't, you know. So I don't know. I thought there were more viable options, stuff like Tilly, stuff like uh, Josie Pace. Um, definitely not the Night Spins, but you know, it was what it was. I felt bad for some of these bands, especially for that whole situation with Avery from Mirror Lake, where they put her on the spot and like had her, you know, forced to make the correct decision. Yeah, uh, where she had to leave her band behind, and they didn't make it clear if it was a rhetorical question or not. She's just standing there, like, uh, "No, they're my boys." Like, not <laughs> sure what the question meant. So it was very sloppy. Uh, the competition didn't make a lot of sense. There were no briefs on you know making the bands better or different. Just a lot of the same mess the whole way through, and uh, it was it was fun, but not for the reasons I think they meant for. So that's it for me, Jordan. Um. Mildly entertaining show. Uh, the, obviously, the first half is much more entertaining than the second, where it really dragged having the same bands perform just more and more songs. Uh, I think we just collectively among ourselves have had some good suggestions that I think uh, would actually benefit the show, whether it's in terms of entertainment, drama, something to keep people watching, or just like Bruno said, clear rules and distinctions of what is happening and why i think they could probably tighten that up in the next season and i think this also should serve as a warning to bands to like not do these sorts of things because it's probably not going to help you um and also maybe make it clear what they're really looking for on the show because some of the bands are way more marketable have much more broader appeal versus like native how who are clearly very talented and have their gimmick and their shtick and would probably do well enough anyway on their own without being signed to Sumerian records or being thrown onto some random festivals early in the morning. I'm with you on that. Uh, I wish them luck. Also like, you know, whatever you do in the future ones, just Tony K should not be allowed to participate. (laughs) I don't care if it's age. Just, just go ahead and put age restrictions in here. <laughs> yeah, just leave him alone. Um, All right, but yeah, man, 
that's the show. I gotta go right now. But uh, love you all. Uh, again, subscribe, like, all that stuff. We're on Patreon, and um, yeah, we'll see you next time. How about that? Kia Metal. We'll see you next week. Bye. Listening to 66.6 FM, Radio TOVH, The Flush.